Thank you for plugging into this Family Life News podcast, streaming issues-driven, family-focused news. This is Family Life Hometowns, a chance to get to know the stories behind the cities, towns, villages, and birds that make up the Family Life listening area. We take a look at their history and learn what makes them special. Today, we spotlight Erie, Pennsylvania. Let's start with the name itself, which derives either from the great lake whose shore it rests upon and or the Native American tribe known in English as the Eries, with a Z on the end, who took up residence on the lake's fertile shores. Then, in the mid-1600s, the Eries were conquered by the Iroquois Confederacy. A century later came European settlers. Jeff Sherry is an educator with Erie's Hagen History Center. So when the French come in the 1750s, what they're trying to do is to build a series of forts that will link the Great Lakes to their positions in Louisiana. This whole eastern half of the United States is trackless forest, and what they're trying to do is use the rivers and the creeks to move goods and men. The French built their first fort on Presque Isle, then added a second, Fort Labouf, in what is now Waterford. The two forts were key posts as French and then British forces fought for territory in the late 18th century until the French eventually sent Avoir to the region. And they're followed by the English and then, of course, the American military and then after the Revolutionary War, this becomes an American city, and the city is laid out mid-1790s and grows from there. It doesn't see a huge growth until after the War of 1812. But then Erie took off, fueled by its unique Great Lakes access. Commodore Oliver Hazard Perry assembled a fleet of gunboats and brigs that proved triumphant in the 1813 Battle of Lake Erie. Perry gained fame by flying a flag bearing the dying words of American naval officer James Lawrence, don't give up the ship. One of those legendary wooden sailing ships, the Brig Niagara, lives on in replica form, keeping maritime history alive on the Great Lakes. Sherry says Erie owes a lot to that seven-mile-long finger of land that juts out into the lake, Presque Isle. It creates a sheltered harbor, thought by many to be one of the best harbors on the Great Lakes. This is why Perry will build his fleet here. It's sheltered, and of course, this pre-aircraft, pre-satellite days, so it's sheltered from the prying eyes of the British, even if they sail right off the coast, they can't see into the bay. And um, the only reason that there's a city here, because unlike Buffalo, Cleveland, Detroit, there is no river here. After the war, Erie begins to grow rapidly, establishing itself as the Keystone State's key freshwater port. Absolutely, and the raw materials can come to Erie by boat, and later will go out by train, by truck. In the 1840s, 50s, 60s, the Erie Extension Canal, which links Lake Erie, thus the Great Lakes, to the Ohio River system without having to go down French Creek and the Allegheny River. It's definitely its central location for goods coming in and out. Then later the railroads, then our interstate highway system, I-90 and I-79, intersect just south of the city, and it is a fantastic location for that as well. Erie truly took off economically after World War I, and even the Great Depression didn't slow things down that much, owing to the area's 
cost-effective mix of industry and agriculture. And the thriving area drew plenty of immigrants from all over. A diversity of people from all over the world beginning to move here. It isn't just the standard migration, the Germans, the Irish, the English, you know, the, the Russians. It's people from Southern Europe. We have the Great Migration, which will bring large numbers of African Americans to, to the city. Those immigrants created a formidable industrial workforce. But as the 20th century rolled on, Erie, like many Great Lakes cities, eventually saw those industries decline into what became known as the Rust Belt. However, as the 21st century neared, Erie began to reinvent itself yet again, this time with a mix of advanced technology and light manufacturing, and of course, tourism now plays a big role as well, thanks again to that little finger of land in the lake, Presque Isle. Our bayfront is now a haven for fishermen, jet skiers, water skiers, yachts, boats of all sizes. I have to tell visitors here, you think of the bay and the lake now as for sportsmen, but it was once a very industrial place. You've been listening to Family Life Hometowns, a look at the cities, towns, villages, and burgs that make up the Family Life listening area. Please join us again soon for another edition of Family Life Hometowns.